It's time for The Skinny with Rico Elmore. Our guest today giving us The Skinny is NASCAR veteran Jeff Clark. Uh, we're at Dover one time, and, and I didn't think I mentioned, I worked with Rusty Wallace for a couple of years. Uh, so we're at Dover. Um, Jeff Bodine and Rusty, competitors, going at it pretty hard on the racetrack. Bodine comes in around us, clips me, uh, the tire changer, and, I mean, sends us, like, on our feet, on our butts. We finish our pit stop, and we go right to the driver's window at Bodine, and one of our guys, Billy Wilburn, well-known pit crew member of yours, he's in the window net just nailing Bodine in the head, like four or five shots to the helmet. Later on, later on the in-car camera showing the head ricocheting off the door bars and the, the, the frame rails inside, and then and he didn't come near us anymore the rest of the race, so the, uh, the message was delivered. Welcome to The Skinny. It is The Skinny with Rico Elmore. Hey, Rico, what's happening, man? Not much, man. How are you? I look at you, and the first thing I think of is The Skinny. I don't think you're looking at me the right way, then, (laughs) if that's the the case. Well, I'm proud to be here with you. I'm your co-host, Adam Ritz. Uh, We want to welcome our listeners to The Skinny, where, uh, you know, it's a play on words, because uh, The Skinny is a conversation you can have with somebody. The, The poignant points of the conversation, when someone asks you, hey, what's The Skinny? Then you tell them the most important part of the conversation, here's The Skinny. So that's why this show is called The Skinny. And then, obviously, the double entendre is that you are very much in shape and very thin yourself well and that was what i was getting ready to say i've never had skinny associated with my name so this feels pretty good to start with and just the absolute antithesis of the brand fatheads which is sort of the indirect sponsor of this show presented by fatheads so it's the skinny presented by fatheads yeah fatheads uh are uh eyewear that uh fits people with not skinny heads with fat heads like uh, like mine. So, yeah, you've got it. Well, this show uh, is a, a lot of fun for us to host and co-host because we bring on fascinating, interesting guests such as Jeff Clark, our guest today. Um, Rico, why don't you give us a quick introduction to Jeff? Yeah, Jeff Clark with uh, with Roush Yates. He's, uh, he's been in the uh, NASCAR world or racing industry in general for, you know, 25 plus years. And we got to know each other through a mutual acquaintance, uh, you know, several years back, and uh, have uh, developed a great friendship. And uh, you know, so he's got some great stories about racing in general and NASCAR and where he started and came from. So I'm excited to have you here. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the time, Adam Rico. Uh, great to be here. Good to see you, Jeff. 25 years in NASCAR? Yes, as a competitor. Uh, started way back in the days of uh, being a weekend warrior. I was a jackman for Davey Allison with Robert Yates Racing, the 28 Texaco Haviland car, and uh, has evolved into a full-time position in engine departments. Uh, worked for a lot of the racing greats, uh, drivers, and uh, a lot of great experiences, a lot of good times, good so, memories. So when you were with Yates back then, was that when your relationship started? with uh with uh doug and actually doug and i have been friends since we we're about 15 years old we grew up went to high school together uh went off to college and uh after college uh was very interested in the racing i was always the gearhead in the group i was the one fixing the go-karts the mini bikes i was the hot rod guy <laughs> right um doug's dad uh, robert yates was well known as one of the best engine builders in nascar and came into an opportunity to own a race car team full-time owner and uh it was a great great opportunity for me to get involved uh, started as a weekend warrior 
mainly was painting the shop one summer, uh, trying to pay off some bills, some credit cards. And uh, the crew chief came over and said, hey, you, you're a pretty big guy. You played sports in high school and a little bit in college. Uh, how about we try you out for the Jackman position? Our Jackman has blown his back out for the last time. <laughs> well, uh, little did I know, Robert Yates was the Jackman. Uh, back in the day, Robert Yates was the truck driver. He was the engine builder. He was the Jackman. He was part-time crew chief. Robert Yates was a one-man band and had a lot of success. But uh, his back was not supporting him in, in this area. <laughs> right. It was a natural fit, man. It was it was exciting, you know, playing sports growing up. And uh, to get an opportunity to try out for a team like that, uh, in my mind, it was uh, it was the next level of professional sports with the skills, the little skills I had at the time. So uh, great experience to get to do the tryout. Uh, basically went out in the parking lot, pulled a race car out, and had me do uh, you know pit practice around a stationary car to see if I can get the rhythm, the movements right, and it was a natural fit. And Jake Elder, suitcase Jake, uh, was the crew chief back then, and he said, "Boy, you're pretty fast." He said, "If you don't get spooked by the race cars on pit road, we might have something." So uh, so that was my start in practice there. We went to actual racetrack during one of the test sessions at Talladega, did live pit stops. It went pretty smooth, and, and I was off. Uh, made some mistakes along the way, uh, learned from them, and uh, had a very good reputation as one of the best jackmen on pit road for many years. What's a weekend warrior? Like before you're a jackman, you're obviously on the pit crew. Right. So before you're on the pit crew, you're a weekend warrior. What is that? So... Back in the history of NASCAR, the guys that worked in the shop, they would earn a position on the pit crew because of their skills in the shop. It was an earned position. To bring somebody from the outside to be on the pit crew as a reward kind of role uh, was unheard of in the, the 60s, the 70s, 80s, even into the 90s. Uh, what was happening, though, the athleticism, the sport was evolving, it was growing. Um, you needed full-time athletes to start filling these different positions. And and you had to be the right personality. You had to go in and earn the respect of the guys in the shop. So I really think painting the shop that summer and then working weeknights when I got off my regular job to come wash parts, clean parts, clean the race cars, I earned a lot of respect for doing that. Uh, and, and it helped me, I guess, uh, you know, transition into the, the weekend warrior. But a weekend warrior was somebody that had a day job somewhere else and showed up on the weekend to be a part of your pit crew. And they're usually not as tired or fatigued because, man, they'd work unlimited hours on the race cars, on the engines. It was crazy the hours you'd commit to being, you know, fast, mm-hmm. the commitment to speed. You'd come in fresh, you're usually um, younger, you'd trained, you'd been an athlete from somewhere. Uh, whether your high school basketball or football, you know, background would parlay into being a pit crew. And, and today it's the norm. I mean, today's pit road is full of kids my size. I mean, I'm 6'5". I'm, I'm on a diet these days. I'm 265 right now, but in the day I was 6'5", 285, uh, pretty fast. And uh, these kids today, the pit road is full of them. Um, I was like a freak of nature back in 1991, <laughs> uh, a big guy on pit road. Um, yeah, racing's uh, a sport for short people. Oh, um, short and fast. So you're 6'5 in the in the pits, and that's that's a normal thing now? 6'5 and... Yeah, and you have a lot of these. Uh, Can you lift the car up by yourself? That was a joke. Oh, that was a joke. They said that guy doesn't need. A he doesn't jack. need the jack. You just put handles on the side of that car. Let him pick it up. And uh, we uh, we've had a lot of fun over the years with um, you know picking uh, you know villain teams. You know, there's always these big rivalries that grow. And when Jeff Gordon's group got going, uh, the Rainbow Warriors. Okay, they were hot. They were fast. 
Um, the 28 car was another team that was strong. The Penske car with the two Rusty Wallace's guys back in the day. Um, even Earnhardt, Dale Sr.'s team, you know, the Flying Aces. Um, those guys, they were big rivalries on pit road for who was the fastest, who set fast time on pit stops. And bottom line was if you came down to that last stop of a race, the money stop, and you came in third and you went out first and won the race, I mean, you had bragging rights for the week. You would really talk it up. You'd uh, you'd give the other guys a, a earful about how you kicked their butt on pit road. So so back then, did they have the strength trainers like they do now and the coaches? No, I mean, we, I know we didn't have it. We didn't yeah. have it. Uh, it evolved. Um, a lot of the teams, as sponsorship dollars rose, and you were trying to find anywhere to be more competitive, it was amazing the different uh, specialists that came into the sport, whether it's aerodynamics, uh, engine development, and pit road. I mean, you can win races on pit road just as much as you can on having a better engine or a better aerodynamic package. So there was investment. So, Rico, that, that's when it started happening. The, the strength trainers, they looked at college uh, strength training, NFL strength training. Uh, the, the sport was exciting. People come visit us, check it out, and we'd start picking them for information. How do you study film? And, and today, Pit Road is full of cameras, just like the NFL breaks down uh, plays on, on film. We do the same thing on Pit Road. You know, it's funny. You'd always, you're talking about the Earnhardt's, the flying aces, you know. You had all these guys that were fast as all get out, and then you had chocolate. Chocolate Myers. Yes, chocolate sir. Myers was the gas man, and I mean, he just, dude, he was a barrel. Yeah, I mean, but he could handle that gas, the the cans, you know, which, you know, uh, are not light at all. So it was, it was always interesting to watch him, and he was a legend. He nobody, you wouldn't know anybody else on that pit crew, but you knew who Chocolate was. Yeah, Chocolate's great. He reminds me of if you try to compare him to a, a football position, he's like an offensive tackle, one of those big guys, but fast fast for short pace and uh and get the job done he can handle those 100 pound gas cans like they were you know candy bars yeah he's a big burly fella and uh and fast a lot of yeah. speed so were you part of the team when uh when davy uh when davy had his uh, helicopter crash i was yeah we you know there's a film running right now they keep showing espn it's called empty cup and it shows how many years we came so close to winning a championship for that kid or with him and uh unfortunately we didn't um, before he passed, um, really untimely accident there at, De- at Talladega at the track. He was going yeah. to visit some friends testing and uh, had gotten a, a helicopter, was a, a new pilot, um, perfectionist. And uh, from what I remember and hearing, he didn't like the way he was coming in for his landing, so he went to just hover a little bit to make another approach. And, and the wind picked up and backed him into a chain link fence, and that's what set the events for the wreck. Uh, yeah, very and shortened life there. Who who was who was with him? Red Farmer. Red, Red Farmer. Red Farmer. Right. Yeah. Legendary dirt racer. Great guy. Mentor to all of us growing up in the garage. Um, he survived the wreck. He had a broken arm, I believe, a broken shoulder blade, and uh, survived it. And uh, still races today. I, I'd love to get on Google and pull his, his age up, but I'm thinking mid 80s. And he still goes to Talladega Short Track, which is a dirt track across from the Talladega Super yeah, right, Speedway, right. and kicks butt. I don't know how long our language or how yeah, we got to keep yeah, it to a team, yeah, but uh, yeah. he, he does a great job. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I, I did I watched part of what you're talking about, and you know it was talking about how the when it when it rotated, it actually came down on Davy's side, and that was pretty much what did it. And you know he was he was such an unbelievable person, and you know. A lot of that comes, of course, from your parenting. But, you know, you look at a lot of the guys these days, in my opinion, you know, uh, 
It's who do they work for? You know, who is the boss at that place? Will the boss let you know? So it says a lot about Yates and, you know, the kind of uh, program that he ran and, you know, that everybody, the the team concept. And, you know, that's that's something I look, I look at things like that to improve our business model and, you know, as, as a more of a coach, as a teammate with people instead of being, you know, I'm the boss and this, you know, so that's interesting to hear, you know, he was the truck driver and, uh, oh, yeah. God, God knows that that wouldn't happen today. You know, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, labor chip, laws, chip, right? chip, yeah, well, chip would get in, uh, in the semi and drive one of those target trucks to the next race and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, what have you. So it's, that's, that's pretty funny stuff, but, uh, that's, that's very cool. That is, that is unbelievable how all that has evolved. And, you know, you used to watch it and, um, you know, really, back in the day, you had a lot of uh, a lot of the 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 IndyCar side of things. It was so popular, you know, with cart and everything like that. And then, you know, the you know where NASCAR was already getting some legs because it was exciting, you know. And they had, you know, they had characters. You know, they had Dale. They had you know uh, uh, Earnhardt. They had Dale Jarrett. You know, Dale Jarrett, nice nice southern guy about as good as you can get you know on the on on the outside tough competitor but uh you know and uh, his dad which you know you could see where he got it from and uh you know and then you have rusty which you know it just kind of depend on what day you caught rusty and uh yeah so it's it's really cool to you know they had characters and and you know uh, when indycar had their kind of shift and shuffle you know, in the in the early the mid '90s, there, you know, it really, really put a shot in the arm to NASCAR just for the fact that those characters were there. You know, and it was a lot of uh, it was almost like a lot of professional wrestling back then because wrestling they would, on wheels, wrestling right, on wheels, because yeah. <laughs> they would get out of the car, and and guess what? It was on. Yeah. You know, if you wrecked somebody, you were going to – it was on. And that's what – when you were talking about the pit crews and stuff like that, you know, the thing that – it's much like a professional basketball guy, right? You don't realize how big they are because they're all big. Right. There's a couple that are a lot bigger. Right. But, you know, you don't realize what athletes these guys are. I mean, I'm down on pit row, I, you know, at various races. Of course, Jeff's there all the time. But – these dudes don't have their fire suits on. I mean, the, you know, 20 inch guns, you know, these guys are big dudes. So when there's a brawl going on between a couple of pet crews, it's the real deal. Yeah. Okay. It's like a couple of uh, professional uh, boxing matches U- going down. UFC breaking out in the pits. Yeah. Have you a- uh, been in one of those brawls? I'm yeah. sure you have. Tell so, us about it. So when I was pretty active over the wall, yeah, you'd, you'd get pretty testy and uh, drivers used to challenge you drivers would cut you short and sometimes clip you on pit road and uh, a driver of another team pulling out of his pits would run over your foot in they try to intimidate you now i'm sure they didn't mean to hit you (laughs) but they're just trying to 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 slow down your efforts to service your car yeah uh we're at dover one time and and i didn't think i mentioned i worked with rusty wallace for a couple years Uh, so we're at dover um jeff bodine and rusty competitors going at it pretty hard on the racetrack uh bodine's pitted right in front of us and we were leading the race at that time so we come in for our pit stop bodine comes in around us clips me uh the tire changer and i mean sends us like on our feet on our butts so we uh we finish our pit stop 
and we go right to the driver's window at Bodine, and one of our guys, Billy Wilburn, well-known pit crew member of yours, he's in the window net just nailing Bodine in the head, like four or five shots to the helmet. <laughs> to the helmet. Later on, later on, the in-car camera showing the head ricocheting off the door bars and the, the, the frame rails inside. The jack man jumps on my back from their pit crew. We're looking like Keystone Cops trying to, I mean, but it, it was serious, and we were throwing blows, and the NASCAR officials, and the, by then the cars were serviced and off on, on the track, and we're still going at it on pit road, national TV. They're trying to pull it away from it so it doesn't make us look like wrestling on wheels, keep the professionalism. Right. But it was it was on. I mean, you lose your cool. We finished our pit stop. Our priority one was taken care of. Then we're going to go fix the business at hand with this driver. And then and he didn't come near us anymore the rest of the race. So the uh, the message was delivered. Did the guy that jumped you, was he 6'5"? No. Do you no, guys no, pair no. up and dance almost? No, no. We, it, somebody no your he size? jumped on my back because he didn't know if I was going in the window net next. He didn't want his driver killed. He well, said, And later on he told me, and, and again, after it all calmed down, we're all friends on pit road. But in the heat of the moment, he's like, Jeff, I was just afraid if you hit him, you'd knock his head with the helmet off the other window. We'd be out of a headless driver. So, uh, so he said, that's why I jumped on your back, man. I didn't mean anything by it. And so, um, but, but in the heat of the moment, you go. I mean, like, like Rico just said, you know, when, when things happen, it's, it's instinct, it's reaction. And you've got a lot of testosterone on pit road. You're, you're a lot of excitement to a lot of adrenaline, a lot of things happening. So yeah. I can somewhat understand when NFL players get in fights or basketball players because they're competitors. They're trying to get their job done. And if someone's doing something out of the norm or taking a cheap shot at you, you kind of lose your cool and you react. So that's what happened there. Yeah, a lot of times driven by the driver. Yeah, the driver doing something, getting into it with another driver. Then one pit crew comes in and tries to pull them apart. The other one pulls, the other crew's trying to pull the other one apart. And then the next thing you know, that crew member says, that crew member, and it's a, it's a bench clearing brawl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, and, and, and I mean, it, not to make it sound like it's not professional because it's very professional. It's an unbelievable sport. It's an unbelievable uh, product. But, you know, the thing of it is that, that is absolutely crazy is, that's a lot of what some people come to see is the wreck. They want to come see the wreck. They want to see, you know, when somebody dumps somebody in the turn and puts them up into the wall, nobody getting, nobody getting hurt, thank God. And then waits for the car to come around so they can throw their helmet at throw the Throw their helmet at the car. I mean, <laughs> water bottles. I mean, I mean I've man. been at races, literally been at races where they are throwing, um, you'll remember this, um, they were throwing Budweiser cans. I think it was Rusty. I think Rusty won. I can't remember this, but they were throwing cans, full beer cans from the stands, rifling them at the car going by, like with the victory lap. Yeah. Oh, man. And I mean, so so now you do that, you're in jail. Oh, then man. they're just like, stop. You know, I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah. so it's a lot's changed, but. I don't know if it was all for the good because some of that was kind of, you know, like, oh, I love that. Did you see that, you know? <laughs> well, and the media does blow it up, and, and everybody's human. They're going to react certain ways. And then history does repeat itself. So uh, one of the interesting things, that, that scenario you're talking about, a couple years after that, um, Daytona, July race, uh, Dale Jr. was dominating. And uh, I was working on that team at the time. And uh, a few pit sequences, and the, the caution fell, and they ended the race in a caution. I'm not sure if it was Jeff Gordon. Or it was. Jeff, That's who it was. Jeff it Gordon was Gordon. Won. 
and and you couldn't get down the back stretch. So a lot of drivers stopped and turned around and came back because there was so much debris. I'm talking water bottles, beer throw, cans. Yeah, that's the one. They were loaded. Yep. And then the video shows, I mean, full cans hitting the windshield, spinning with the beer spewing, the Pepsi Coke spinning. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And, yeah, they were all upset that Gordon won. And, you know, yeah. Dale Jr. had it. I mean, yeah. and he was the Budweiser car at the time. And, uh, yeah, so it was uh, – it, it, like I said, you know, there's some piece of excitement. And, you know, it can never be rehearsed. You know what I mean? And there can never be a villain. And, I mean, there just were villains, right. you know. And, I mean, Dale Earnhardt Sr., everybody loved him, but he was a villain. He was a complete villain. Oh, that yeah. guy, we were talking a little bit before uh, before we got in here. You know, the funny thing is, is he said he, he we were talking about how he would mirror drive people. You know, he would he would be looking in the mirrors, you know, and somebody's going over there, he's cutting over to block them, you know. And and you know what? That was part of it then. Right. Now that ain't happening. You know, that's oh, yeah. that's not gonna take place. They will they will penalize you if you're doing it as blatant as he was. But the other thing, a lot of times you didn't want to get by him because once you did, he was gonna dump you. You were gonna be done anyhow. You weren't going to finish in front of him, you know. So but he, he, he'd do that, yeah, Rico. We'd watch that sometimes where if he wasn't faster than you, he'd find a way around you where he'd nudge you and get in front of you, and you dare not to nudge him back or get do that because the next time he got to you, he wasn't just going to nudge you. He was going to send you and finish you for the day. So uh, there, there was a reason he was called the Intimidator, and uh, he won a lot of races, a lot of championships, and uh, set a lot, of, a lot of the precedents that we live by today. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and, I mean, it was guys like that that built – you know what I mean? That built the uh, built the series, and uh, you know that was that was the cool thing. You know, and I, you know, I don't know, I don't know who that is now because it has changed. And you know what? It was always a business then, it was. but it's but it's what is it now? I mean, what what's you know? It's it it was a business then, and now it's an empire. You know, and that empire has. All of these huge moving parts in it that, you know, I mean, give give a just give an idea of, okay, we're at Indy today, okay, right. we're at Indy today. What's what what happens when this race is over till the next race? Well, as far as the the just the processes of post race, you know, inspection, getting your car done, making sure everybody's legal. Um, hours and hours of going through the cars, template checking. Uh, the engines will come out, go to NASCAR uh, inspection center in North Carolina, where they actually disassemble the engine part for part to make sure it's legal. Uh, prior to the disassembly process, they run the engine on the dyno. They keep notes and compare all the manufacturers, trying to keep everybody in par or make sure that if someone's getting too far ahead that they're they're watching and we're not infringing on the rules. But beyond that, the cars going back to the shops, just the logistics of getting the, the trucks back to the shops, the guys to the airplanes, flying home, which back in the day, we didn't have airplanes. We drove in vans. You drive 15 people in a 10-passenger van. Got to know each other really good, too. You know, you know everybody's uh, breath and, and body odor by the time you got home because you didn't have time for showers. You just wanted to get home. But anyways, a lot goes on to turn these cars and get ready for the next week. Uh, the logistics are incredible. And we're very fortunate the sponsorships we all have that, that make this happen today. But before we didn't have the money, and when we didn't have the money, it was all done on, on people's time, their labor. And it was very labor intensive. And like I said, now we can fly in airplanes. And 
went from commercial planes to having private planes, and then now we're on jets. So, you know, great, great things. It makes you more competitive. When you show up home uh, fresh, ready to go in the shop, ready to go, you're, you're clear head, you're clear mind, you're ready to put a better car together that week. You're ready to build a better engine that week. So, um, like Wico was saying, a lot goes on week to week behind the scenes that the fans don't even see or get to know until they see the product on the track and the, the sponsors and all the glitter and, and glamour, which is great. That's the excitement. And then, oh, yeah, there's a race going to happen, and, and you're going to see all the, the bumping and grinding on the track and on pit road. And a driver, I mean, through that week has got appearances, has, uh, I'm assuming, has got, uh, well, of course, they have conditioning because uh, the drivers are are unbelievable athletes, okay? It isn't uh, it isn't a, uh, God bless them too, a dick trickle right. that's in the car anymore smoking on cautions. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. So the, to talk on that a little bit, so the evolution of the driver, you know, back in the day, David Pearson to Dick Trickle, these guys all had cigarettes in the car. They'd smoke on, on pace laps. Uh, back in the old, old days, they'd been known to keep a flask in the car just to get a little more courage. You know, this back in the, the 40s, 50s, and then the early days of starting NASCAR. So um, come a long way. The pace of the race today, these, these athletes we have driving um, are so more aggressive than we ever were before. It used to be you'd wait till the last 100 miles of a race to really put on the, the pressure. Um, these kids today, lap one, they're going as hard as that car will go and as, as hard as the tires will go. And if it breaks, you better fix it next week because we're still going that hard. Um, that kind of pace requires these kids to be in great cardio shape, great muscle control, the, the speed, the hand-eye coordination. Uh, the athlete today behind the wheel is so much more than we ever had. But it's, it's like any sport. Think about baseball, football, all the athletes and the training they get. Yeah, the, the evolution food, the nutrients. Yeah, I mean, right. it's, it's amazing. Right. But racing – has come the same way. The IndyCar drivers, the NASCAR drivers, F1 drivers, they are they're thoroughbred athletes today. Every one of those guys have a, a world-class trainer that is behind them with nutrition and everything. And I was, when you were saying that, it was funny. I was thinking about, you know, Dick Trickle was the man. That guy could drive anything. I mean, he was amazing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. I guarantee you, there can't be one driver that smokes. I doubt there's probably one driver. If you found one driver that right. smoked in the garage, I would be very surprised. Back then, it's like he's talking about David Pierce, Dick Trick. I mean, those guys gritting it up yeah. after the race, drinking it up, and right back at it again. And, a, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, the thing about it is they didn't just race that night. They probably went and ran some short track stuff. I mean, it was whatever had wheels and needed run. You know, they yes. ran it. So they were they were running three or four nights a week. Um, you know the the sport with the the corporate side and um, the publicity it's gotten. Um, you, you had to tune things up. You had to get uh, more politically correct. Um, sometimes I think it goes too much that way. It's too clean. But again, it goes in cycles. Look at what happened in the chase the past couple of years, where the guys from NASCAR said, "Hey, have at it, boys." You had drivers fighting, you had pit crews fighting. It, it cranked it all back up. So it goes through cycles. History repeats itself. Somebody wrecks somebody, and they're like, "Okay, let's race it." You yeah, know, yeah. before they were like, "Okay, black flag him." You know, get him out of the way. And yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's exciting. And, and again, the fans get to uh, be the benefit factor of all that. They see it, they experience it, they live it. Um, you know, Earnhardt talking about the noise and being the villain. Um, what I meant by noise, uh, he loved it when they boo him. 
he loved it. Kind of like what Kyle Busch Kyle said. Bush, Kyle right. Busch, right. Yeah. Earnhardt always say, hey, if they're making noise, they know I'm here. Yeah. he just smile ear to ear, that big catfish grin. He loved it when they boo him. He said, hey, this makes me drive harder. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure Kyle Busch has read or seen some of those old video clips, and he's doing the same thing. And, and got to give him a lot of credit. You know, he's a competitor of ours, but uh, when, a, when a kid is that dominant, He's, in our opinion, in modern day, Tim Richmond, uh, Ernie Irvin, and Dale Earnhardt kind of all mixed up in one. Kid's got unbelievable talent, car control, and yeah, you hate racing against them. Makes you work harder to make your car better, your engine better, your driver better, your pit crews better. You try to go other places because there's only one of him, right? We want to we want to know what we can do in other areas to match him in performance. I do, that reminds me of you know talking about the driver. <clears throat> You know, Tony Stewart had to win that race at Homestead to win the championship. And, you know, I was kind of excited for it. You know, I kind of lost touch a little bit with NASCAR just because kind of, I think it's like everything, you know, your kind of your heroes are gone or the guys that you really liked watching and you kind of got to get reacclimated some more. I mean, it, I don't, I don't know that it's always the product. You know what I mean? I think it's the characters that are in the product that that really drive a lot of it. You know, you got Dale Senior on there. You know, he's you know he's he's talking smack and he's backing it up. You know, you got Rusty all wound up. You got Waltrip getting Daryl Waltrip getting out of the car dancing around like a fool. You know, and but it was the characters. Yeah. So you know that's that's the thing that you know they're starting to kind of get back in place. But like you said, it is such a, it's so much more clean cut now, which is not a bad thing, but it also kind of takes the character away from it because Daryl Waltrip gets out, he's dancing around and has his helmet in his hand and spikes his helmet right in victory lane, you know, and Mm -hmm. so it was, it was great stuff. But watching Tony win that championship, I mean, he's literally, you can see the cars on the edge of coming around. I mean, he's dirt I mean, just about dirt track and, you know, that car around there. And, you know, it was it was exciting to watch, you know, because you knew he was pushing that car past its outer limits to where it was past the edge. It was now to the to the uh, this is getting ready to break or we're going to blow the wall up. With yeah, this I thing. agree. That was so exciting, um, especially with what he had done as a as a individual to take the chance to start his own team partner up with Haas and uh, to make that move was pretty bold and to go out and deliver a championship um, like you said earlier Earnhardt would talk smack and back it up I think that's what Tony Stewart did right there he, he made a commitment and he backed it up so real proud of that um, also proud that he'll be a part of our engine program next year I know a lot of fans were fired yeah. up he's he's bailing out on Chevy and going forward um, which congratulations by the way what a huge deal Huge. It's it's great. Doug Yates, uh, phenomenal program he runs there at Roush Yates Engines. Uh, he and Jack are partners now. I don't know if people knew that Doug had bought out Robert's p- position in the company. Um, Doug was always the one who ran the engine side of things when Robert was running his race teams and Jack was running his race teams. So it was kind of natural succession. Uh, Doug bought into the company, and uh, I think we've talked before, we've got matching years uh, since '04. We founded uh, Fatheads. Yeah, that's uh, so right. That's cool. We that's right. We had our anniversary party here a couple of years ago at the, yeah, uh, the together. PRI show here yeah. in Indy. Yeah. So you know, great time with with you and, and Miss Una there. So, um, but but Doug's 
drive, his vision on the company is second to none. He really keeps the Ford engine company going well in motorsports. Ford Performance is how it's branded now. Um, not just NASCAR, but also in the IMSA, in the WEC, which is international, the Ford GT, the new supercar Ford's building. Uh, we build that engine as well and went to Le Mans this year, or Le Mans, as they say, yeah. Le Mans. And, and, and sat on pole and won that race, which was huge. Uh, 50 years since Ford has gone back. Oh, to, wow. And they only went back to do that, and they made it real clear. It was one mission. If you read the history of how that all started, where uh, Henry Ford II tries to buy the Ferrari Motor Company, he wanted a sports car portfolio for Ford. Um, they got down to the final days of the deal, and Enzo Ferrari snubs him and says, it's off, no deal. If I can't control the racing efforts of this whole program internationally, which meant Indy, which meant NASCAR, which Ford said, wait a minute, that's our property. You're not coming here to run our properties. Uh, that's what the fallout was about. So Enzo walks away from the deal. Henry Ford is hot. He says, okay. He said, if I can't buy you, I'm going to beat you. He gives his huge initiative to his people to start building a supercar to go race Ferrari in the international racing series. Uh, Le Mans, Nuremberg Ring, all these big tracks that they've never been at. So they designed the GT40, um, bring it out, and the first couple years was miserable. Uh, they had uh, cars catch on fire, transmission failures, uh, you name it. It took them a long time to get it perfected. So finally, in, in 1966, they had Carroll Shelby involved. They had uh, Phil Hill, a lot of the, the big designers of the time, drivers. They're designing cars from the driver's seat. Perfected the GT40. They go to Le Mans, and they finish one, two, three on the podium. It was like the glory of Ford. They finally achieved their accomplishment. Um, so they never went back. 50 years later, we're trying to do this repeat and a lot of pressure. And a lot of the compliments were for the engine. Uh, they went with a, the, the V6 EcoBoost engine, which is in all the cars today. Uh, it's, it's amazing that a streetcar engine could power a racing car as well as it did. But uh, very dependable, uh, great results on the pole and the win. And uh, I don't know if we'll be back. We've got contracts to do three more years of it. But what a great debut. So a lot yeah, of that, cool things. I, I, was, I was getting ready to touch on that. That is, that is such a cool deal because – you know, it's exciting for me. I see these guys win. I mean, I have a um, <clears throat> an unbelievable relationship with the folks at Toyota, too. I mean, you know, from my side of it, these guys are all family, you know. And, and you know what, I see them win. It's exciting. You know, and, uh, and the Le Mans thing, you know, I already knew that, you know, that was a huge deal. And I knew – I didn't realize the history of that and how long that had been – but uh, I, I, I'd watched something on, uh, you know, I think it was actually Carroll Shelby's story, which is remarkable. I mean, he's got an unbelievable story. But uh, he, uh, he was, I mean, from any kind of racing, you know what I mean? And, you know, that's, that's funny not to spin off of that, but the Shelby – uh, that they used to offer at Hertz. Yes, the Shelby GT. Yes. The Shelby GT they offered at Hertz. <laughs> These, you know, so Carroll Shelby designs this with Ford. Ford or Hertz rent a car, puts these cars into service. Okay, so when they put them into service, P 
people would go rent these and drag race them all weekend and take them back <laughs> and drop them off at the car rental place. I mean, they've just oh, been yeah. destroying these cars all weekend, you know. And, you know, it they had, sounds they, like you have done that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we tested a few rental cars. It wasn't those, but uh, it was just, I mean, just an unbelievable, you know, deal. And uh, talking about talking about the, you know, the family atmosphere the aspect of it you know so uh at our place at the speedway last year uh we're standing there and it's myself jeff uh, another friend of mine and uh and todd um and we're we're staying there and todd and i were out on the front you know deck of our suite and we're standing there and we're watching uh who was running the, the the 22 last year, the Xfinity race? Kozlowski. Oh, no, no, Blaney. 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 Yes. So Blaney is out in front of Kyle Busch. So we're sitting there. Todd, uh, Todd and I are sitting out there talking. And, uh, and I said, wouldn't it be neat just to know what these drivers are thinking? Kind of like a... Kind of like a, uh, a, a, almost like a telemetry, you know, <laughs> on what the driver's thinking. Because I told him, I said, listen, I hope you guys win. You know, I, I mean, it'll be exciting for you guys. And, you know, and, and, but it was a win win for me because, you know, the relationship that we have with Toyota, you know, so if Kyle won, that was cool too. But I sat there and I told Han, I said, you know what? I said, man, I just think he's, I think he's going to drive around him. I just, because he would he would get up to him and then he would back way off of him. Oh, then yeah. he would get up to him again and beside him. I mean, he was jacking with this kid. Testing him. Yeah. I mean, he was jacking with him, you know. And that's oh, that's yeah. another Earnhardt deal. You know what I mean? So, you know, uh, Kyle ends up passing him, ends up winning the race. Todd's like, man, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, but but Blady, I mean, Blady was running unbelievably great and uh especially for a rookie learned a lot of lessons i think he learned what but how to maybe drive differently in that situation but but to your point kyle was awesome and, and to the family point so the way we look at it if you've been in a sport for a long period of time you may have worked with you know ford in some years and chevy in some years like myself and then even gone and worked with toyota it's kind of like where you go to church okay you, you uh you're you're all friends in the community right and you don't hold it against me after Lutheran or, or Catholic or Baptist, you're all good, you know, Christians, that's great. Well, our other religion, it just happens to be racing. And yes. we don't hold it against the guy that he's a Toyota guy or a Chevy guy, but when it's race day, it's like when you go to church, you're going to my church, and when it's my day on racetrack, I'm, I'm four today. So uh, that, that's how it works. But outside of that, we all get along, and it's a pretty peaceful community. So yeah, it's a, it, is, it is unbelievable, and I, I you know, and I – I see that with all these guys, and I mean, you know, they, there's, you know, and, and it's so funny, a, a, you know, a very close friend of mine that's with Toyota, you know, his exact comment was, it's always a good day in NASCAR land when Dale Jr. wins. Well, Dale Jr. is running a Chevy, right. you know, he's, he's one of the top guys with Toyota that's saying this, but, the, but what he's getting at is, it's good for the sport. To have a Brad Keselowski and a Ford, okay, or a Joey Logano, you know, to have a Kyle Busch Absolutely. or a, you know, or a, you know, in a in a Toyota, Matt Kenseth, Denny Hamlin in the Daytona 500, that's, you know, that's huge. Yeah, it's huge, and you know, the the cool part of it is, is if one person won all the time, I mean, listen, you want to get hated, win all the time, 
Ask Jimmy Johnson about it. He <laughs> yeah. can tell you that he can give you the roadmap of how much you'll be hated because that dude would win, and I'm telling you, there wasn't a fan in the stands. They were all booing him, and mm-hmm. and he's a he's a great guy and a heck of a competitor. He's good, yeah. you know, and had great has great equipment, you know. So it's uh, it's funny to to watch that go down and how quick a fan will turn on somebody. It's like I can't stand him. It's like he's good. I can't, you know, you can't pass that. So. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of fun all the way around, and you know the spending time at the track, and it, it is what Jeff said. You know, it is a family atmosphere. It is uh, it's uh, it you know you you meet these guys, and it's a lot like other professional athletes. You know, they are put on a pedestal, and when they're put on a pedestal, and something happens. They all of a sudden turn to they're the devil. It's like, listen, they're human just like the rest of us. We're all able to make mistakes, okay? Don't judge me. There's one person that will, and that'll be much later. But, you know, know, the judgment thing is everybody's so quick to jump to the judgment. And, uh, you know, Tony Stewart... Listen, don't get the camera in his face when he gets out of a hot car that that he just got somebody just wrecked him, that he was going to win. They're not out there to be second-place cars. Every one of them, even if they're starting 22nd, they want to be first, every one of them. And, you know, we were were talking about – Shane Mill, which is a, which is a, a very good friend of mine. I'm sure you probably worked Absolutely. with Steve yes, over, over the years. Which his dad was in NASCAR with with Yates, right? Didn't he? Did he? Uh, he was with Roush, but then in the later years, I worked with Steve at Dillon Hart Incorporated. Steve oh, was yeah. our technical director. That's worked, right. Worked under Steve as one of the engine guys in the shop, and a uh, uh, great guy. And, and watched Shane grow up in the garage. Shane, uh, you know, Steve and Lisa Mill, great friends of our family. Yeah. And, and, and Shane and his brother growing up, uh, watch them grow up and, and watch Shane develop his racing skills. Yeah, and the guy's unbelievable. He, he uh, you know, he had some issues at NASCAR, uh, got suspended for substance abuse. Uh, he goes through the thing. He comes back. Uh, you know, if you ever ask Steve, you know, his dad, he'll be the first one to tell you it was too easy. It was too easy for Shane. He didn't have to work at it. He was that talented. And, uh, you know, Shane, it was so funny. You know, it wasn't funny how it went down, but what ended up happening was Shane went back, was very successful again, fails another drug test. Uh, Much later, they figure out that he's bipolar. He was trying to medicate himself. That was what was making him feel normal. And uh, anyhow... So, you know, fast forward a little bit, he's up in Indianapolis now. He's in central Indiana, and he's racing sprint cars, midgets, silver credit. He's racing all these open-wheel cars that he's never raced, he's never been in. He's raced go-karts, yeah, big deal. That's way back. Mm -hmm. You know, but you come from a closed, you know, closed wheel or, you know, like a a stock car or trucks that he was running in that series, you know, the truck series. You know, you come from that and you come up here – and he he starts becoming dominant. Okay, he gets in he gets in a he gets in a wreck at Terre Haute at the action track, which is a scary fast track to begin with. And he gets in an accident there and goes cage first into the wall. He's dead on the track. He's dead on the track. They trach him on the track. 
they get him back breathing again, take lifeline him to Methodist. And you know what? This guy this guy now is is fighting for his life. And thank God today he's alive. He was he was uh, uh, paraplegic. Yep. But has went through so much rehab, his his muscles are starting to fire again. And and he'll be the first to tell you, this is the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. Cause I was a horrible person then. I was the worst person you'd ever meet. He goes, and this happened to me, and it changed my whole life. But the, there's all these stories, and that's what we were talking about kind yep. of beforehand. You know, everybody has a story, and nobody knows that story, but they want to. They kind of want to jump on, you know. And Social media, blow it you, up. Yeah, blow yeah. it up. What a horrible person, this and that. He's one of the greatest human beings you'll ever meet in your life, and the most caring. I mean, comes straight from his mom and dad, I'm oh, telling yeah. you, they're 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 unbelievable but you know like i said it's uh it's a great community it's a great program and you know for you to stood the test of time of being there that long that says that says a lot so it's been fun um a little bit more on shane so he uh family friend um got to see him go through all those trials um he invited me to go work out with him one day because he's like clark you're always big and strong come come watch me work out and it was amazing to see the apparatuses and the equipment to get him out of his wheelchair and to get him to do just basic body movements, how hard he was working and fighting just to move his arms or wrists just fractions of an inch. Yeah. Um, I saw the video about six months ago where he actually stood up. Yeah. And about yeah. bringing tears to your eyes. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. So loved what he's doing um, and how hard he's fighting. And in and even a public speaker today on where he was, yeah. where he is today, and, and how he is a great person today and, yeah. and recognizes some of the errors of his past. So he's here for a reason. I'm sure there's a lot more to be seen from Shane Meal. excited for him. Another thing on Tony. So people always see these events they get into with, like, the camera, camera person he pushed and shoved. What sometimes they don't see are all the things they do behind the scenes. That's right. Tony Stewart is one of the first guys, if he hears you have – health problems in your family or trouble with something what do you need you need to take the plane to a medical center i've got doctor friends here in the country specialists there in the country whatever you need you get in touch with me and i'll take care of it here's my number um guys like tony stewart dale jr those guys are the first to step in how can i help they appreciate how fortunate they've been um and a lot of times that gets overlooked when when they're getting into a hot spot back when uh, kind of a funny note how Kurt Busch now drives for Tony, and there was an oh, incident yeah. a few years back oh, where yeah. he popped him in the trailer and knocked, oh, yeah. knocked Kurt out in the NASCAR trailer uh, <laughs> over an over a argument on the racetrack. Huge, yeah. huge so, deal. Yeah. Again, men fences, and many years later, now that now they're they're in business together, racing cars. Yeah. So, how would you uh, like to be the NASCAR official? It's like, what are you doing? I know you're like referee. <laughs> what just happened here? You're, you're half bodyguard, half referee, and then you got to be the rules enforcer. Uh, Mike Helton does all that. Right. Um, You've got a great relationship with Mike. You've met him over the years. Uh, what a great guy Mike Helton is. And, and we've been in that trailer when we've had rules and fractions. And when he pulls his chair up nose to nose with you and, and tells you how it's going to be, you, you listen clearly. That was a great story you told me about when you were much younger in your years with oh, them oh, complaining yeah. about something they gave you. And Yeah, we made a change on a restrictor plate. And it was made real clear that uh, we won't be doing that anymore. And uh, so, uh, again, we were, we were just in uh, 
the wrong place, wrong time. I thought I was in the right of mind, and it, Mike Hilton made it real clear that I wasn't. He'll so, stand toe-to-toe with any of them. I will yeah. say that, and I've, I've, I, he doesn't care. And he's respected. You know, oh, yeah. At the end of the day, there has to be an authority uh, yep. in that garage. There are so many uh, A-type personalities all oh, yeah. pushing, trying to win, right, mainly drivers. And he's the kind of guy, it's like your dad telling you how it's going to be when you were a kid, and, and you better listen or you're going to have some severe consequences. And he does a great soft approach, and he can do a great nose-to-nose approach. So uh, we love and respect Mike Helton. Just got to take the soft approach to heart so the other one doesn't come yeah. along uh, shortly after. So Yeah, I'm a big guy, but he's a real big guy, and you don't want him at it. Yeah. Yeah. He's bigger than you? Uh, he's, yeah, he's got he, me by a few. Well, I got to ask you, yeah. you've, we've talked about your size quite a bit, 6'5", 275. Did you play college football? I played basketball. So, no kidding. Uh, I've got a lot of friends that have played pro football that said, you missed it, kid. At your age and your time. He'd have uh, been a great tight end. Oh, West, my West gosh. Wall's a pretty good friend when he was at the Panthers. And we do some uh, functions where we'd uh, charity stuff. And i got pretty big hands. He's like, man, you got trash can lid hands. You're tall. You're fast. <laughs> where were you when they were trying out for tight ends in high school? You missed yeah. it, kid. You could have been a great kid out here in the NFL. He said, I think you missed your calling. He's, I said, but I've had a great career in that NASCAR, and I've loved it. So uh, everybody has their role, right? Everybody has their path. And you've got, right. your, you've got your knees and your back. and Yes. You can still uh, get up in the morning, yeah. right? Yeah. I know guys that your size that played college football, I played with them, and they can't, they're can't. they our age, but they can't walk right now. Yeah, so perfect. you're better off. You get up in the morning, it's like you got to get got to get a little oil out and get that stuff <laughs> moving again. Yeah, and a lot of respect for those guys that made that commitment, too. Well, in the pits, the size, the strength, it works. So I've got to ask, is there a recruiting process? So you were a weekend warrior. You worked your way up. It's, hey, this guy looks strong and fast. Let's put him on the jack. I mean, as the sports evolved, I have to believe that there's recruiting now where you can look at a, a college basketball player and say, you know what, you're not going to the NBA. But we could train you to be a great jack man. And, yes. and, and the money is serious. Yes. I mean, when you get with these A-tier teams, I mean, even yeah. the ones down the line, the money is serious. Yes. So, comparison, back in 1990, um, or 91, uh, you you didn't have much pay for going. A lot of times, if they'd cover your, your license for the racetrack, you're just excited to go. you go for free, and they'd pay for your travel. Um, today, these kids, weekend warriors, are, are six-figure salaries, um, and, and they are paid well, and they earn it. I'm looking. Yes. So, yeah. So, now the other thing. <laughs> my week, have, my have, weekends are free. You may have a few years <laughs> on you past what yeah. the prime is here. Yeah, but today's times, the commitment is much more on your weekday practices and your, your routines. So they have a lot shorter lifespan where back in my era, you could go 10, 15 years on a good solid, do a good job. Today, these kids are five to maybe five to eight years. They're, they're Almost like the NFL. They're wearing you down. Interesting. And, and, and they're getting their money's worth because they want to be fast. They want that speed and they're pushing you, training you harder. So yeah, so we're talking about being broke down from playing sports all the years. I see a lot of that in the future of these kids because they're getting pushed so hard from practice to race. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing, the evolution of the athlete in, in NASCAR. How far do you think the pit crew from six-pack would go now? Man, 
Heck yeah. Six pack the movie. Kenny Rogers. The greatest NASCAR movie of all time. Ever. I have to agree with you. <laughs> you know, uh, where's your driver at? He's shaking the dew off his lily. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah, and, and you couldn't put that in a movie today because it'd be no. R rated. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Today. They would never let a kid say that today yeah, in a movie. You know? correctness. Jeff, what's your favorite NASCAR movie? Man. Is it Six Pack? You know, Days of Thunder. Well, Six Pack, yeah, I'd have to say that because that is the core of racing yeah. back, back when it was started. So that's probably Chickens a number pickings. one, too. That and then. Oh, uh, Stroker Ace. Stroker that was a Ace. great one. Stroker Ace was good. There's a lot of cool ones. And, you know, the Burt Reynolds, all the movies he went into, they had some of the, the drivers in as cameos back in the day when they were doing all their, their movies with uh, the Burt Reynolds kind of run he had. But even, you know, Tom Cruise, when he did the Days of Thunder, I relate to that more because I know a lot of the guys in it, and it was okay. cool. They were doing a lot of cameos. City Chevrolet, stuff. yeah, and and that was kind of a kind of behind the scenes story of Rick Hendrick and Tim Richmond. A lot of things coming about. Is that so, right? See, I didn't know yeah. that. That's very cool. Yeah. Tim Richmond was an IndyCar guy. Yeah, he sure was. He 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 mowed the wall down, and uh, his mom said they they had a great family business, and he mowed the wall down, and uh, about and hemmed himself up pretty good. And his mom goes. He's not driving those anymore. Find something else to his dad, yep. and that's when they went to NASCAR. But that's a, you know that's interesting. You you we we talked we touched on Tim Richmond earlier. Yeah. So Tim Richmond before the epidemic was the epidemic, or or it was as wide widely known. Tim Richmond passed away from AIDS, HIV. Okay, so you got a NASCAR guy. And this huge manly sport that's yeah. just, you know, these guys are warriors in these cars. So, you know, then, you know, stereotypical, well, is he, you know, is he this or is he that? Is he had these, you know, Tim Richmond was a wild man. Yes. Tim Richmond didn't live in the in the Carolinas. Tim Richmond lived, didn't he live in New York City? He spent a lot of time in New York. He had a home down there in the Carolinas. His parents lived there a little bit. But he, he liked New York. He liked big cities. Very flamboyant. Um, the stories, uh, not stories, the pictures. He'd show up at the car to qualify <laughs> in his fire suit, tied around his waist, no t-shirt, big brawn chest, hairy, like the, the, the 70s, 80s, yeah. you know, yeah. Reynolds style yeah. cowboy hat on. Oh, yeah. And always a beautiful woman somewhere close. Dude going crazy. The women yeah. go crazy for this guy, and he was a stud. Yes. I mean, he was a driving machine. And Dale Earnhardt Sr., he, he said, he said, Tim Richmond was better than me. I mean, he would he would tell you that Tim Richmond yeah. was was his idol, and Tim Richmond was nuts. I mean, there's pictures what you're talking about. There's pictures that uh, Tim Richmond's on his boat, and he's standing there with the 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 bikini on, right? Yeah, and that's it. Hot chicks laying there, and like he said, you know, all the, you know the <laughs> '70s look. Yeah, and uh, so Goodyear. Would always do this, uh, do this poster every year, right? Yeah. And they would have all the drivers of NASCAR, right? And probably much like IndyCar as well. So Richmond is on the second row. There's three rows. Richmond's on the second row. The drivers in front. I think. Uh, I think Neil, uh, Neil Bonnet, Neil Bonnet was in front, front of him. They're on their they're taking yeah. like on one knee with an yeah. elbow on their knee. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Richmond has his unit hanging out. And they don't catch it. You're uh, kidding. They print all these. It and, made the poster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. So these go out. And, I mean, you can still get one today. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just hilarious because 
it is such a conversation piece of people are like, oh yeah that's a good picture yeah check that out a little bit closer they're like oh my god is that what i think it is yeah, oh, you know? it, <laughs> so see, it, it almost looks like his hand but if you look at it you're like oh my god and, and to, <laughs> not not to, to, to give you like the skinny as we're talking yeah right what he was doing neil bonnet when they're trying to take pictures and you know everybody trying to get him posed right and doing thing he kept tapping Neil in the ear and Tim uh, Neil Bonner turned around and said man what are you doing yeah. he thought he was hitting him in the ear with his wheel he's, he's, tap, he's tapping him and all the other drivers in that crowd are just laughing because Neil turned around and wanted to fight like you put that thing in my ear I'm going to knock you out kid and uh, it was because Neil Bonnet was a veteran and he oh, got yeah. rich, but he's a wild young yeah. guy that's just going yeah. at it so that was so there's a famous restaurant there in, in Mooresville Big Daddy's and it's where all the racers hang out it's a good family place and as you walk in there's that poster all <laughs> it's the a good family up. place and, yeah. family and, setting and, and, and it never fails there's always a crowd on that picture like, see it's true yeah. he, really, he really did that pointing so, it out yeah pointing it out that but is he was, legendary but he was oh he was he was I mean that's a that's mild compared to the other stories that aren't quite as PG rated if you will so but it's uh, it. It is, and there's so many of the funny stories and just things that have that have went on. I mean, I know, I know a fraction of them. I mean, like you said, Jeff being around that long, and these guys, and you know, like I said, you know, you were talking about Tony and the things, you know, and Dell Dell Junior. and this and that. You know, there's probably not, you know, uh, 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 there's probably not two handfuls of people that know that he bought uh, bulletproof vests for. I think it was 20 of the Indiana State Police canine dogs. Oh, wow. And I mean, like, you know, with part of his foundation, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, a lot, you know, his his mother, Pam, is an absolute saint. She's the most wonderful woman you would ever meet in your life. His dad, Nelson, honorary old boy, I'm telling you, and I love Nelson. I mean, you can see where Tony gets his soft side from his mom. Yeah. And then you can see where he gets a little honoriness from his dad, you know, and and uh, but it's he's he's done he's done so many cool things and you know the uh, the racing you know the racing community the you know the series that are that are failing or series that are having a hard time. Tony's heart is in you know open wheel racing, uh, dirt racing, you know sprint cars, midgets, silver crown. You know he said this is what I love to do. This is my business. You know in NASCAR, which you know he runs a very good business. He's very uh, he's an amazing driver. But you know the interesting thing is is Tony. You know t- you know there's been series. The All Star Series was having a little bit of trouble. You know the sprint car series. You know what? Tony ended up buying it. You know, when Earl Bates was ready to get out of Eldora, uh, you know, and retire, yeah. Tony bought Eldora, you know, which is which is a remarkable place. I mean, just so much history. and Kept the history and resurrected the excitement. Yeah. He's yeah, done it, a great it, job. It, yeah, exactly. And you know what? Kept Earl around, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, until he passed and, uh you know, and that's what Earl wanted. Heck, Earl got the money, and plus he got to still hang out, just kind yeah. of do what he did anyhow, you know. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's a great guy, and and you know, there's it, listen, we're all competitive to some sort. It doesn't, you know, it just may depend on what that is. If you're in a big family, you're probably competitive to get to the dinner table before <laughs> you uh, get left out, you know. But uh, 
everybody's got a piece of it in them and you know don't don't grab on to somebody right after you know uh, mm-hmm. right after something bad goes down and expect to have a really cool answer you know <laughs> and so wow he's a great guy it's not going to happen I don't care what that program is so or any of them he could have grabbed any driver in that scenario he had the same response probably yeah that Kurt Busch thing I forgot about that that is so funny and now they're teammates and in business together as Jeff said so. Well, that's cool. What's uh, what's next for Roush Yates? Any, any, I mean, the Tony thing, which is absolutely huge. That's huge. So um, right now we're, uh, we're working really hard to get prepared, but also be respectful for the Chevrolet relationship. You know, they've got to finish this year strong. They have a chance to win a championship on their departure from Chevrolet. And how cool would it be to come into Ford next year and win another one, win back-to-back with different manufacturers just to show how competitive that team is. So... Uh, we want to be prepared. We don't want to leave any gaps, but we can't. Uh, we can't step on any toes. We got to be very respectful in how we we get them prepared. So I think about fourth quarter, you start to see a lot of things happening, um, more announcements, and I think the other part of it, the marketing side's got to come into play. So they've got to have all their sponsors on board. The change of the brand from the bow tie to the blue oval. Um, a lot of things are happening, and I'm sure it'll all be handled very respectfully. Uh, the, the Stuart Haas punch is is first class. Um, the good thing we have is the experience when Penske went from Dodge to Ford. So we've got a little bit of history, recent history of seeing that happen and how to uh, make sure we're, we're better prepared this time. And then also not to, like I said, not to snub anybody or step on any toes. And, and there's a lot of IP. You know, we have things that we're not ready to release yet because we're competing on the track today. We don't want to give that over to the other camp and get beat by it. Right, right, right. Because so we, they'll play. use that in years to come to keep absolutely, beating you. Absolutely, yeah, right. And, and especially now when it's a, a bow tie product. So um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I guess protection on both sides of the fence, but also we know where we're going and we're very excited about it. We are really fortunate to have <laughs> that caliber of a team come on board. Uh, Roush Fenway seems to be resurrecting their program. You know, we we're looking through some record books and 19, I'm sorry, 2005, Roush Fenway won 26 races as a company. 26 yeah. races yeah. in trucks. Dominating. Xfinity Cup. Yeah. And, and 10 years later, the performance cycle has shifted. Uh, Penske's a dominant four team right now. Uh, it comes and goes. I've seen it over the years. And then you see it manufacturer to manufacturer. You see where Toyota's strong right now. Just a couple years back, Ford was dominant. And then right before that, you're talking about Jimmy Johnson and his run. So, yeah. Everybody gets their cycle, their, their chance on the wheel to ride to the top, and um, I'm hoping we get back there quickly. Yeah, and I hope Stuart Haas is the way we do it. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on that, and, uh, you know, uh, thank you for being my friend. It's been great, and, and you know, we, uh, we have a lot of people in our lives and few that we can really, you know, relate to in a lot of different ways, and, you know, the... Uh, the experiences and the the fun that we've had together and the you know more fun that we're going to have is going to be great so i uh just uh want to thank you from the uh, from the bottom of my heart me and una both uh you know you're you're our family you're welcome anytime here and uh you know we uh we enjoy it and man what what great stories i mean that's I was telling Adam when we were get kind of queuing up some of these, and I said, "Listen, I got you know some really good friends that I would talk to in NASCAR, and you know this isn't a you know a, a Papa driver and talk about cookie cutter stuff. Let's talk about just whatever we want to talk about and have fun with it, you know." And 
I think we accomplished that today. Yeah, so. it was great to meet you, Jeff, and uh, I want to wish you the best of luck with Roush Yates, and uh, I can't wait to uh, watch more NASCAR this year. Again, thanks, Adam, Rico, uh, especially you, your whole company, your family. Uh, the feeling's mutual there, and we've got a lot of years ahead of us. So, uh, so thank you, brother. That's thank right. You. That's right. You've been listening to The Skinny with Rico Elmore. I'm Adam Ritz. Thanks to our guest, Jeff Clark, NASCAR veteran. The Skinny is presented by Fatheads Eyewear, home of oversized sunglasses and eyewear. For more information, check out fatheads.com. That's fatheads with a Z, fatheads.com.